Hey, Dom Day fans, Coombs Corner here. Got a question? If you want to take a chance, lay it on after the beep. Hey, it's uh, Larry here, Dom Day alumni, class of 1984. Just, uh... Looking for some help here uh, from the Dom Day helpline. August 13th is coming up, the Dom Day draft, and I'm getting a little anxious about getting picked in the last round again, the 10th round. So, I was wondering what I could do to improve my game or my standing so that I can move up one round to the ninth round. I'm looking for specifics here, you know, like uh, vitamin supplements, uh, yoga stretches, uh, Maybe a Tony Robbins tape or a Stuart Smalley affirmation. That'd be really helpful. I appreciate the help. And uh, oh, yeah, I'm loving the Coom app. Downloaded that on my phone. Got rid of that Noom app. That's crazy. So, anyways, looking forward to your response. Have a great day. Hey, cousin. Great to hear from you. I got to put you on hold for just a minute. I've got some unfinished business. Hang tight. Hey, Dizzy, you going to pay me or what? When we talked, you said Coom's. This show will bring you millions. Babe has you covered. Well, I phoned Babe to find out what the hell was going on. And he clarified he meant Coombs Corner would bring in a million fans, not dollars. What the heck, Dizzy? Send me a goddamn check. Hey, folks. Welcome to the first segment of Coombs Corner. Ever wondered why the smart guys sit on the first base side? Are you looking for helpful diamond side social tips coming out of lockdown? What about why that guy got drafted ahead of you? Got a question? Tough or easy? I'm your guy. Believe me, being a catcher all these years, I've had a front row seat to see all these stiffs come to the plate. Hey, Larry, back to your question. What the hell are you trying to do to me? This is my first goddamn segment, and you're firing me this missile? I'm not David Copperfield. I can't pull a rabbit out of a hat, but let me give you my best first thoughts. First off, being cousins, you do understand we come from the same bloodlines. You're screwed, but let's try this. Some years, we have 70-plus ball players, and some years, we've been as low as 54. Keep a close eye on the draft registration. If it's trending towards 54, hop in and play. It's simple math, Larry. Nine ball players, six teams, 54 players. Voila, you're a ninth rounder, bud. Hey, if you don't like that suggestion, become a coach. Back when I coached, they never had this great at coaching crap. I was my first round pick. Finally, I got recognized as being equally talented to the likes of Dick Delmer, Tricky Woods, Babe Patterson. Okay, okay. I know you're a little worried about this new graded coaching format. Don't worry. The gods will grade your talent to decrease your odds of winning. Example. Nobody's questioning that you're a solid 10th rounder, Larry. But when you coach, poof, they slot you as a 6th rounder. Hey, take a picture of the draft board. Email to all your non-Dom Day friends right away. Your friends will be amazed at your progress. Hey, just don't tell them when and where the tournament's being played. Hell, you don't want them showing up to see for themselves. One last thought. Bring a video camera this year to the tourney. When you're not playing... Videotape all players rounds 4 through 10. Put together a collage of their talent and remove the one great play they might make per year. Then, next year, a week before the draft, send a copy of your video to the coaches with a very simple question. Do you really want to pick these plow horses ahead of me? 
Sometimes they need a refresher, Larry, as to how shit these guys really are. Hey, that's my best thoughts, cuz, but for Christ's sakes, don't expect me to be a miracle worker for you. Hey, folks, that's Coombs rounding the corner for today. Stay tuned for another great podcast coming right up. It's episode 13 of Dom Day Tales. It's Justin, and I'm joined in our studio by my co-hosts, Star Wars of the Stubbies, the Titans of the Tall Cans, Donnie, Babe, and Cote. Dizzy Patterson, our world-famous executive producer, is once again watching us through the neck of a beer bottle. Gentlemen, we have a lot to cover. Donnie, are you fired up for this episode tonight? I am. I've been looking forward to this for, oh, at least an hour, hour and a half. Alrighty. So, so yeah. why don't we get right to it and bring out our guest tonight? He's the winner of five Dom Day titles and a 1989 Rookie of the Year honor. He has two worst coach awards, which tie him for the most, won by guys not named Donnelly or Brandt. He claims the 1992 Spartans Championship is the highlight of his sporting career. Please welcome to the show, Mighty Mike Fuda. I got to tell you, this is just, I've only listened to this and now to see you guys live. I <laughs> now I am excited, Donnie. <laughs> Seeing, yeah, you with just, XL, seeing you with that XL headset on brings back hey, <laughs> easy, easy. It's double XL. <laughs> Apparently, those didn't go out in the blaze. Oh. <laughs> they work better than the ones that Buff had on. Oh my yeah. God! What did Buff? What was Buff wearing? Buff We're had a problem, sure, but his ears yeah, were bleeding. Lil, Lil had them in backwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All righty, guys. So why don't we the screen? That's all I can tell you. It's great to see everybody. Great to have you on, Futes. I'm I'm told this is your first time talking to a major media outlet about sports. So hopefully we don't go too hard on you today. Um, <laughs> but why don't we start it off from the top? Why don't you tell us a bit about your first interactions with Dom Day? Uh, we know you weren't uh, one of the guys playing in Dom Day One. Uh, I think you would have been, you know under under well underage at that point but why don't you tell us about some of your first interactions with Dom Day? he was still in john's pants then <laughs> it might have been a minnow swimming in that pool That's right. uh you know what it, for me growing up in rexdale like lacrosse was the big thing and uh my parents it was just like just like going to chubby's on a friday night was a staple uh going to pine point arena to watch the rexdale warriors was and somehow i don't know how it worked out but i i'd met Womp Thompson, Dave Thompson lived around the corner from me. And uh, somehow Dave, I've worked it out. I think Lil was in the penalty box with him, but I got, I got the opportunity. I get to sit in the penalty box for the Warriors, right? The, the home team. And then uh, they had, they were all caged in and I was in the, <laughs> I was in the empty area there <laughs> where the balls could just come in. And my parents knew I was at risk for words. I was going to hear a near death every night, but it was the highlight of my week to get in there. And I mean, I still remember the, the Mike Zerudnys, the names of the guys that would come in in the fights. But I mean, these guys were my heroes. And uh, one guy that doesn't get enough. And, and I mean, I know Babe's our, our go-to guys, an NHL player. But my true hero growing up was his brother, Casey. And uh, I mean, I, I loved Casey from number 12 to uh, 
I, I would watch him. I, I would go to Kobe Centennial to watch him skate on his own. Uh, and he'd be out there by himself and his work ethic. I couldn't believe the stamina this guy had. And he just was so full of energy. And uh, I know it's a, an upbeat show, but probably the most disappointing night of my young life was when my parents called me in and told me about Case had had an accident. And it's the first time I remember just sitting and crying for like, it was like a member of my family had passed away. And that's when I kind of started to realize what these guys meant to me. Uh, never really got the story, didn't need it. I just knew that my hero was in trouble. And, uh, and then it kind of watched our community revolve around him. But you guys through this, there were a couple guys, unfortunately, one of them's on the podcast today and become one of my best friends in the world that I actually thought was a bit of a dick at the time because <laughs> I loved him as a player. He used to waddle up and throw these underhand shots that I couldn't figure out, but he didn't have as much friendly time for me in the box. Whereas guys like Chevy and Ronnie, Ronnie McSpadgen would come in. He'd want to stay longer than his two minutes to talk. <laughs> it's like, it was great meeting all these guys and, and watching them perform. And again, you guys kind of brought it out in a couple of earlier podcasts what elite competitors you guys were in your own right. I mean, because Don Bay's based around fun. And then I think Babe came in late as a, as a Rexdale warrior, I think it was prior to the Toby Co clips. But for me, watching Schweppes and that, Donnie, you know, that whole crew, Randy Civic, uh, we, I could tell you, I could do a podcast on Randy Civic's career as a St. Mike's major scout, but just to see these guys <laughs> and then to see how much fun they had, but they opened up this thing down at the lower box, which for me was just like kind of wasn't like once you left the confines of Pine Point, it wasn't the safest neighborhood. <laughs> so to go down and have your heroes run in a lacrosse school and to get to meet them in their own right. And at that time, that was really my introduction to Donnie. And if I missed some Donnie, you'd be able to, I thought it was Donnie, Mike Pickle, um, Chevy for sure. And uh, Ronnie McSpadgen, I think, were the, yep, were the guys. That was it you guys just ran us through drills and taught us how to play the game. And it was, it was something I'd be early for. I loved it. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world to be, have like backstage passes to hang out with your heroes and then listen to them chirp each other. Even at that age was incredible, but how polite they were to us. Like they were true gentlemen and they truly loved what they were doing and teaching. It wasn't like sometimes you see guys that are doing it now, it's just a paycheck and they don't have passion for it. These guys truly enjoyed it. So Onward and upward, I obviously catch wind of these, this baseball tournament they have. And I get invited to, uh, I mean, it's right around the corner from where I live. So I come over and Pete Dalmazzi actually sent me. I didn't know I was at the first one, but I clearly was because I was identified in a picture with my hero, Casey. Uh, Casey, uh, last week, uh, Pete sent it to me. So I was there and Mrs. P's right in the background in her lawn chair. And it was Dom Day One. And my job was specifically to go around and just pick up empties. And at the time, I wasn't thinking about it as a money thing. I just thought, I'm doing it. It's, these guys are kind of tossing them everywhere. It's a, it's a, my, I've got very polite parents. It was the polite thing to do. And at the time, I was making a little extra change. And I, they were stubbies, the stubby things at the time. So, But that was my job. And uh, I, I took it very seriously. Um, I see some of these schleppers that now have tried to turn into a business <laughs> as the tournaments come on, like the guy from uh, Back to the Future there. <laughs> I, I would dock. I was just doing it for the love of the game. And now it's just turned into, money, turned into a money-making event by a wannabe karaoke star. But uh, no, it's absolutely, it was what I did. And then I kind of lost track of it for a bit, like everybody does as a kid. But I, I mean, you can go on, Justin, and ask some questions, but it was just what it was. I mean, you, you talked about some of the guys that were polite, 90% of them, 
they're another 10%. I was just a little prick kid and they were just, <laughs> there are certain guys that as they've aged, they have aged just the same way. Like Jed Dolomar was always a dick. Um, there were certain guys I didn't, I couldn't get near Pete Dalmazzi till I think I was 19. <laughs> it was like, it was easier to get to zero, uh, Bin Laden in zero dark 30 than it was to get near Pete. I think he <laughs> appreciate that. Drink. And I missed, I, I was just in, cause I was so big on the structure. And at that time, you guys, you, you had guys that were the gods, right. And I had to find out who the gods were. And then uh, once you met the gods, it was kind of easy to see who the organizers were. And then, the time it, like the history of the teams made no sense to me because they were just basically guys in the cheapest looking t-shirts ever. There were imaginary home runs that basically if a guy could just get a glove on, they wouldn't roll out to Kipling. That's not really a home run, but if you hit one for the middle, you'd, you guys would just run forever. So it was so much fun to watch, but you could again, just see the passion and friendship that these guys had. And it was something that I always at that point put in the back of my mind, geez, when they, when I'm old enough, this would be kind of nice to come back and be a part of. That's a great opening, Futes. So, yeah. Donnie, why don't I... And, and Futes, hold on. You know, I think Futes brought up a great point with Womper. And, you know, Womp doesn't get enough recognition either because he lived on Copper Mill, which is right beside Barhead. Drink up, you fucking millennials. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I was going to say... Um, you know, Donnie, you were obviously one of the guys who were involved in lacrosse at this time and, and would have came across Futes in kind of early days. What was your impression of this the, this young kid that, uh, you know, at your Rexdale Warrior, your games, who eventually started coming around and, and picking up uh, beer bottles? Yeah, so I, the first the first thing I remember is is the lacrosse school. That's that's what I remember about Futes and him coming down and we and Ronnie, Ronnie McSpatchen, who's a, a character in himself, he had he had worked away and, and got a uh, member when Terrio was giving out grants and whatever. So he applied and he got a grant uh, that year, which was 70, 78, I think, I think it was 78. Yeah. And he was going to have a lacrosse school. So we he invited a couple of us to help him out. And we ran, I was like eight weeks and it was from nine, nine to four every day, basically. And so, and we had a lot of kids signed up and uh, Futes came out with his buddy, uh, Jimmy Pack, and uh, who I don't think I've seen since the last day of camp, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, they came out to the camp and they were enthusiastic and eager and whatever. And what I remember though is like we, we would run a nine to uh, whatever, nine to 11 30 session, and then we'd have an hour break and then we'd run a 1 30 to 3 30, whatever it was. And then <clears throat> so Futes wanted to do all the whole day, right? So he wanted to stay the whole day. And then in between, it was like it was it was summer, so it was hot and whatever, some really hot days. We would go up go up to Pine Point and Big Zip would let us in the rink in the rink and we'd hang out in the locker rooms just to try to cool down. And we had some laughs in there, and I couldn't tell you one thing that we were ever laughing. I don't know what we were laughing about, but he was right there with us. And and as he was saying, the banter between us going on, and on, I think he was him and Jim were over there giggling and whatever. And I think that's where he probably got a good cue on to what we were all about. Right. And then we'd head back down and do the rest of the camp. And then he ended up working in the penalty box with Lil, you know, and working the gate and everything. And then we really got to know, know him a lot and all, all the guys knew, knew who he was. Right. And then, and then <clears throat> I got to meet his parents and uh, re really enjoyed their, I mean, just two really good people. And I met them. I think I met them at the rink 
uh, at the, one of the warrior games. And then, and then that, uh, that summer, uh, was also one of the great stories of all time was, uh, that, uh, 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 case was down in Windsor, right? So he had in the 78, this, so this is the first year of Dom day case was down in Windsor playing senior lacrosse for the warlocks and Sid went with them. So Sid and case are on the same team in Windsor. Right. And then, uh, so when, when, when our season ended, which is, you know, ended pretty quickly because we had the worst warrior team in history, babe, <laughs> that 78 team, we didn't make the playoffs and we were, we were done. And so I got a call after the playoffs from the Fergus team, the Fergus senior team. And the guy said, Hey, would you, would you consider playing up with us for the, um, you know, we have, we have a game left one game, one game left and in, in it's in Windsor. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's God, in it's Windsor, Windsor. Windsor. Right. Right. And so I'm thinking we got to play. I got to, I'm going to go up and play and I'm playing against case and Sid. And, uh, so I, I, I thought about it and I called him back and I said, I'll go, I'll play. And then I talked to Al and I said, Al, you want to go down with me? We'll go down, um, to see the game. And I'm not going to tell case and Sid that I'm playing, right. We're just going to go down with like, we're, we're going for a visit right? We're going to visit them and, and go watch their game and everything. And then, and then Fuchs wanted to go somehow, you know, he got, he got wind of it and he wanted to go with Al and I, and Al had, remember out the car, Al had Fuchs. He had that black, like it's just Burt, Burt Reynolds. Was it a, yeah, it was trans it was, hammer. Z28. Z28. Yeah. Yeah. How old was Fuchs? How old were you Fuchs? Nine. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was, it was not, it was not, I, I was not, Kote, this was not, this was not one of those. Nine. This was like getting into an adult accompanied movie. This wasn't like my classic. I'm, I'm no. waiting for you to say 13, 14, nine. Just a nine-year-old yeah. road trip, eh? Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure he brought it up and then asked his parents or whatever. And then I, I remember a little discussion at the doorway. So they dropped him off at Hello Crescent, you know, with his bag in hand or whatever. And here we were going away and. And I'm sure I gave him the old, oh, yeah, I'll take care of him. You know, don't well, worry. I, I, I got to tell you, though, Donnie, there was this, yeah. there was always this comfort level. And, Kote, you're starting getting, because I think I met you first when you were doing the broadcasting there. Were you doing broadcasting the games? But there was always a comfort yeah. level that my parents had with certain guys, and you were one of them. Like, they always had it with Babe. They, I don't know how they always had it with Kote, but they never had it without. Never had it without. Okay. You can go on there. You can go on there. That it was yeah. you that it's, it's you that got me into that car because they were it's in that car that he brought up the driveway did not help matters. Yeah. <laughs> so we we you know, we all pile in Al's you know Z twenty eight and we're here we go off to Windsor right and I got my gear and my stick in the back and I don't even think we told you nope. what was going on because we didn't want to let the cat out of the bag right nope. and so we head down on a Friday night the game Saturday a Saturday night game in Windsor. Right in the old barn in Windsor, which was a great, great spot. We we, we go head down on on the Friday night. We got him, and and uh, here we are. And we and I don't remember exactly what we did on the Friday, but we got there late. And I think we went to see Case and and Sid and just hung out. Whatever. It wasn't too much of a night. Very, and, very quiet night. Yeah. And then the next the next night we got up, and you know again we went to see them. Whatever. And and all the time I'm not telling them that I'm playing in this game at night. Right. We're just hanging out, whatever. And then we go back to the hotel and we'll say, yeah, we'll see it. We'll see it tonight. We'll see the game. And then I, uh, 
I went to the game and, and snuck in the back door with my equipment and everything. I remember driving up to the rink and we're looking around, make sure Sid and Case weren't there. And I snuck in the back door and went into the Fergus locker room and got dressed and everything. Meantime, Al brought Futes to the game. And then I just went out for the warm up. And then I remember Case looked down the other end and he was like rolling, like he was laughing. At us. You know, Sid was pissed. Sid, Sid, <laughs> Sid was pissed. Right. So especially when the when the result of the game came. So um, so, you know, I'm out there, I'm playing against I'm playing against Case, who kind of like Fuse, Case was my idol. Right. Even though he was only a year older than me, he was the guy in Rexdale lacrosse. Right. And so I was always behind him. And and I when I was younger, you know, I wasn't I, w- I wasn't that good and I didn't get to play with him. Um, I didn't get to play with him at all until junior a you know and finally in 76 when i made the team and i got to play with him finally and he was my idol and so these i had these two years with him 76 and 77 then he had it down then i was still with the warriors and that was when babe came along and so but anyhow i'm out there playing against case and said whenever we beat him uh we beat him by one and uh and, you know, I had a decent game and, and, uh, Sid was pissed. I mean, he would, so after the game, you know, shower up, whatever we decide, you know, we're heading out to the bars. Right. So Al and I jump in the car, we got feuds. Right. And I'm not sure if it quickly, don't, uh, you know, we quickly thought, well, let's get him to the hotel or not. I don't think so. I think we were like, okay, let's go. You know? And he was like, what? And we're, well, we're going out to a restaurant, right. We're going to a restaurant. <laughs> And we go into we go into this first bar, and I'm telling you, it was like wall to wall. I mean, remember that, Futz? I mean, it was, oh, yeah. It was yeah, you, yeah, it was just wall to wall. I was still, I was still doing. I remember the shock first of all, because I had to sit with Al for a whole game by myself, and <laughs> he, he kept just telling me, "No, Donnie had a meeting." I go, "Where's Donnie? Where's the, why is he not sitting?" Then when you guys came out for warm up, I was just like, it was like watching a movie start. It was like heaven because I got my. Case, my hero, Sid, my comic genius, and you're my budding news best buddy. I'm getting to watch you guys play live lacrosse. The only problem is I got to sit with Al. <laughs> and buy, buy him pop. Yeah, you got to buy him time, his at drink. At the time, as a nine-year-old, I was making just a little bit more money than he was, so I had to pay for everything. <laughs> I, can, I can hear him now. Did your mom give you any money? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. But anyhow, we so we go into this bar, and like literally like he's like just above our waist. Right. And we're squeezing our way through this bar and we're firing beers back. And there's, you know, there's guys and girls and we're having a great old time and somewhere in the long of the line. So you got to imagine this is at the height of WTTCDAs as well, which he has not experienced views. And, but, but Al and I, of course, we're veterans at this point. So somewhere at one of the bars or whatever, we're, we're like, Hey, Case said, you know, we get we got to do some some gooning, right? I mean, this is perfect, right? And we're so we're getting on in the night and gets, you know, it's up probably 12, 1 o'clock. I don't know. And we're starting to think, oh, and I remember they had this one guy, Tommy Wright, who was a buddy of Case's, and he was a good guy too. And and we got him in on it and saying, you know, so after the after the bar closed, we want we had to find a donut shop. And it's Al and I and the Z28, and we got feuds, right? <laughs> And we're like, at least you guys okay. were driving at that hour. At least you were right. driving. Yeah. Right. 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 Well, we were, again, you know, you want to remind the listeners that very little of this involved the intake of booze. You know, it was yeah. most of this was all, you know. And F- so, Futes was driving because he wasn't. Yeah. Futes right. was yeah. the DD at that time. Right. Yeah. So, so, 
So we pull up, go ahead. We'll pull, we pull up to a donut shop. I don't know if you remember if you, so you can tell. Oh, I remember. Yeah. yeah. I was given direct orders to go in and get a dozen donuts because you guys were going to goon. But you didn't really explain to me what gooning was. So I went in and got 12, uh, six home cut and six powders. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it might have been 12 home cuts. So I come back with this, my favorite donut at breakfast. And they just lay, I think Al must have called me. And then you guys. We're good and you need jellies, you need cream. <laughs> so I had to go back in and reload with donuts that were stuffed with goo. <laughs> it was a very poor, it was a very poor debut of my, my slacks and bullets for our current upcoming gooning. So I got the right with my second pick, and I they were quite pleased with my next selection. And then we went out from there and, and uh, this guy, Tom Wright, I remember had helped us identify some houses where these guys lived or whatever. And we went out and we just started blasting their cars. Same shit we were doing in Rexdale. And now we're in Windsor, right? <laughs> that was classic. It was unbelievable. Well, then the they, they know, I know I went at you guys because they want to go back to your party. Afterwards, we go back to another party and this guy shows up who was supposed to be the tough guy on the other team and you'd gooned his car. And they were like, he's like looking to kill somebody. And you guys all point over at me in the corner. So it was the little guy. And then he finally started laughing. So it was a, it was, it was a treat. My, so parents, that, my parents got their money's worth. We got, we got him home safely. And I, I would venture to guess that in that weekend, he, he was just on overload with, okay, these guys like, what the heck are they doing? Or, or maybe this is fun. You know, these guys are fun. Like everything, everything they're doing. I don't know what else went on that weekend, but we had a blast, you know, and we returned them safely, <laughs> safely to his parents. And so that was my, that was my, uh, my fond memories. And then I went away to school that fall. And I remember coming back in the breaks and I would, you know, I would keep in touch with um, his mom <clears throat> and I would go to watch him play hockey. Right. Cause we all know he was a, pretty good hockey player and I would go out to I remember going to Chesswood and watch him play uh I guess peewee maybe peewee hockey at that time or whatever so during that so I kept in touch and kept in touch and then after I graduated we sort of lost touch and then I don't know if you remember this or not Futes, but we, one night we were at and again the same bar that I can't remember the name of this it's the bar that was on the bend on on yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember? Right on the it was it's, it's kind sports of called, bar called the Bend or something. It's so weird, but it's it yeah. was right on that great because our home rink was Weston at the time, and I, anyways, that's where I know that's where the that's where the symposium went down where you guys we I captured you after, and you were out there and you guys I said what are you guys doing? And you told me you were getting ready for Dom Day and you just wouldn't let me come up with any kind of excuse why I wasn't going to be in it. Right. So I I'm okay. I'm coming. I'm all in. I, yeah. oh, I wish I knew that because it had the same name for so long. And I don't know how you entered it because it literally, you're going right. like 50 and then it just <laughs> turns into the bar on the bend. And it's like, you're basically like, it's like a, a, a pit stop for the friggin'. But he came, he came in with, a, he came in with a bunch of his buddies. And I remember I was there. I remember Chevy was there too. I don't know who Al, else Al was there for sure. And I, oh, I think that? Bobby, Bobby might've been there. Yeah. That was my first introduction to the legend and, <laughs> and here's this guy just blasting me and i'm like who the is this guy <laughs> like i mean and he's and he's hilarious but it's like you would have thought the chirps he's given it we've been we've known each other for years yeah <laughs> so and that's what makes bobby special so 
And then there, yeah, there that is was my, that, that was my introduction. And then I can't, I can't, I know where I was drafted, but I don't remember. I vaguely remember because of the, the host dad where the party was. I'll know that I know that story, but uh, the draft itself, uh, I don't know what house it was at, but I, I do know that I was a boy. Pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. So Futes, let's kind of back up a bit here to kind of back to the uh, the beer beer bottle collecting days, because this is one of the questions that the guys wanted me to ask you, um, was obviously you started collecting beer bottles, one of the first guys, obviously the first guy to collect beer bottles. And like you said, different kind of iterations throughout. Now it's, it's Doc. But we were wondering um, if you could answer the question of who was your best client at the time when you were collecting beer bottles and, and probably why was it Cote? It's funny at the time I tried to stay and it kind of, it's weird. You know, you guys saw how you end up on your, I got very comfortable on the third baseline and I don't know what was going on, but I didn't, I didn't get down as much to the far end. And I think on this line, there was, I mean, there was like Schweppes was there, Barry Woodward's, entire area seems to be memorable <laughs> for a bunch of different things. And I know you guys have been extremely graceful and you're talking about what an incredible athlete he was and, and God rest his soul. But that became a very, very, <laughs> especially when I got to the national hockey league, some of the things that were said to me through that fence and <laughs> offered me through the fence were just, it was a frightening scene altogether. I would, I would, uh, I would go more towards the, uh, Clarice Hannibal Lecter uh, scene <laughs> as, as talking about a great athlete. <laughs> there was some frightening stuff that went on there, but I do remember his, him as a credible athlete. I remember him running through the neighborhood delivering mail, but I would say just in general, that area there just seemed to be overloaded with stubbies. It's Not a good trap here, line. I think the more, there was probably more people buying beer on the first baseline, but somehow the stolen beer <laughs> would make its way down the first baseline. Alan McCray. So, so you were at the first one, Futes, because we, we weren't sure, and I say this honestly, if we drank that much at Dom Day 1, but obviously as the official collector of the empties, you, you're saying that we went through a few? Yeah, but the numbers weren't anywhere close. I mean, you know all analytics are nowadays. <laughs> the numbers drew dramatically. <laughs> Like, I'll tell you when they went few, and it's not that you guys don't drink because I've massively seen it. And I, I mean, every trip we've taken, I know we like to say there wasn't much alcohol involved, but if we, <laughs> if we had a little buzzer that went off and said we maybe tell a little fib, we'd all be buzzing off quite frequently when that happens. But when I, and I know we're going to talk about it later, but when I brought the Utes in, that wave of Utes, production went up massively. Just massively. Yeah. There's one guy in particular. Uh, well, there's a couple guys, but one guy in particular that just took it to another level. Yeah. As somebody who collected beer bottles for a few years, I can definitely guarantee uh, that third base side or by, you know, the buoys, the the tinks, all that sort of stuff was a very, very lucrative business. I think when, when the young guys like myself were collecting bot bottles, there was an industry of it. You didn't just need one beer bottle collector. There were like five or six of us who were paying for university off the backs of how much you guys were drinking in the early nineties. So can definitely compare, uh, can definitely uh, vouch for the fact that you said production grew um, as you brought in kind of that second wave. And just if you travel just a little third down the baseline, you probably uh, it's a little bit more like being at a Snoop Dogg concert, but 
Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Quite interesting, the aromas. If, if there's some bad calls at their baseline, it's because of some of the, the cloud dust blowing out of the Marook tent. <laughs> and Futz, I think you were early on with the analytics when you said, uh, looking at the stubbies going to the taller bottles from the taller bottles to the cans. I think you were the guy who analyzed all that and said, Broke a lot of that down, Rave, and then coming back with the tall boy. However, we had to have various, like, I know Tink came up with the different coolers because the guys weren't happy with the, when the tall boys got, they get warm too quickly. So there's just so many things we had to worry about other than the ball, about keeping your beers, about keeping yeah. your beers cool. Didn't we squeeze the quartz in at one point in there? Oh, too? Yeah. There was, quartz, there was, quartz were huge. Yeah. Remember? We had You'd the one year. Four of those, and they'd mess you up. They were good. They were excellent. <laughs> Zip over to Carlings there on de- over uh, by the airport and grab a 12-pack tw- tw- of those. They went down lovely. <laughs> Good point, Tote. Good point. I'm just checking in with Sleepy Copeland here to see if I can find out the name of that bar on uh, on Dixon slash Scarlet Road because he lived across the street. Was it Scarlet or was it Weston Road? No, it was it was where where Dixon turned into Scarlet. Right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe. So how did you get there from Barhead? Pardon me? Oh, you have to go right, right, on right, Kipling right. and then you cut yeah. down Kingsnow over to Hinton across Crow Marty. That way, babe. Okay, good. Bobby you can turn left on Dixon and just take the ramp right around. Yeah. Here's on the right side. So, so just so you guys know, and I know we've talked about this offline, but I, th- I think we got to address it on air um, because I don't know if, if Colin's joking around or not, but some of the younger guys have a, a drinking game that they play when they're listening to our podcast every time we name streets within Rexdale because none of the millennials would have any clue how to get anywhere without their GPS system. So we always get a very good laugh about the memories that you guys have. And it, it seems like everything runs off a Jeff coat. I don't know how many times we've heard the name of Jeff coat mentioned uh, in this podcast. So uh, for all the guys who are spot, fuck Jeff coat. Fair enough. So we're for all the millennials Riverhead. who are let's, drinking let's at home, Riverhead, along, Barford, Barhead, yeah. Barhead's the staple. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for all the all the millennials drinking at home for all the streets, I think you guys have twelve or fifteen after that last uh, last little Col- segment there. Colin Woods, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> all righty, guys. So under kind of our next stage, um, the next kind of part part of today, we wanted to talk about nicknames and and as we kind of get into uh, Futures rookie year, um, so. Futz has obviously had plenty of nicknames, but one of them, obviously, Mighty Mike uh, and Fuda, but spelt P-H-O-O-D-A. Donnie, why don't you kind of chime in on the origins of that nickname? Well, that that didn't come along until later, and I don't, I don't, I don't know when that was. Futz might might have a better idea. It, that was, was, Mighty, it was Mighty Mike all along. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then it was uh, when I went to Los Angeles. My nick, my name's Fuda. Like my family name's Fuda, right? And I was always Futz, and then Dean Lamar. Dean Lombardi started just every interview calling me Fuda, like food, foods. And then the gentleman in the yellow down there, <laughs> we wrote a placid in my name. Now I'm the back of my jerseys, P-H-O-O-D-S. I'm now foods. <laughs> so it's an easy one. Donnie, then, the way. <laughs> he, Don just turned, Ch- he took Dean Lombardi's uh, pronunciation and just misspelt it and took it to another level. And then Don Don Scrapes did the same thing, didn't he? Oh, Grapes. Yeah. That's the that was at Coach's Corner. Mike right. So yeah. I didn't spell anybody. I don't even care anymore. It doesn't matter. I cross the border. They do it at Sportsnet all the time. I really don't care. I've been called many worse things at Dom Day. Futes is Futes and uh Futes or Futes is fine with me. And but Pete's, Mike, Pete's always mighty Mike, but I I, I more enjoy the other nicknames. 
Mighty Mike came from the the home run blast, yeah. didn't it? In ninety ninety two. Yeah. Uh, so, which we'll, we'll talk about shortly. Yeah. So guys, let's get to Dom Day 12. So as you guys know, as our viewers know, we've been kind of going chronologically through um, some of the Dom Days. Uh, and we, we crossed off Dom Day 11 last week. Um, we talked about the little putts with Lil. Uh, but this week we wanted to talk about Dom Day 12. Uh, and as we mentioned, it was uh, Futsa's rookie year um, and in the Dom Day tournament. Uh, so how old would you have been, Mike, at that time when you joined? Probably been 18 or 19, I think. No, maybe you know, 21, maybe 20, 21. I'm not sure. I'm not good with these numbers. I apologize. All good. I, 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 I can tell you, Bob Brandt, um, Bob Brandt drafted me, and we were playing in the uh, we were playing the other diamond. Donnie, what year was that? Eight, 89, I think. Yes, 1989 no. is what I got here. Oh, huh? okay. no. Is it? That's not when we played in the other diamond. We'll get Lil on to tell us. 90. 90. All I know is how the game ended. And it was very controversial. Bob, Brandt, Bob Brandt, who uh, this was my first, and this could, I could talk about, you talk about polarizing figures. I've never met a, I had to actually convince my dad that this guy was not a complete asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he is the I, most I brilliant. Like, I had, he's the most brilliant. Like I could listen to Bobby chirp and tell stories forever. He's hilarious, but he's the most. He has that. He just sees a. If he sees any weakness, you're done, and he just jumps on it and won't let off the pedal. And he does it in such a. He's always got that little hop to his step. And you know when he says stuff like, "Well, this is my baseball. It's my sixth best sport. Or hockey's my twelfth best sport." And then you try and get him to name the previous eleven. And the story is in plastic with him. And when you put him on the line with myself and Dane, he's just, he's a very unique individual, but he was my coach and he takes it very seriously. And we were winning uh, in the, in the last inning. And he, uh, he had a routine ground ball that he booted, Boots. extended the inning. And that was when uh, my infamous, when I started, I nicknamed him Boots Brandt, which did not go over well, but I would have won in my rookie year and it would have ended the tournament too. All he had to feel it and step in the bag and it was over. And he booted it. And of course, you know, in Dom Day, when there's a boots, when there's a boots, there's usually a rally. <laughs> and the rally, the rally continued. And and <laughs> Bobby explaining, he couldn't take credit for the, the error. He was like, there was something wrong with the field, or I make that in my sleep. And you know, all he does is he kept going over it again and doing his little, I don't know what happened. It had to be the diamond, and he had no reason for what happened, but you could tell it sunk into him. But yeah, that was that was my rookie season. And again, I saw you guys that mentioned I was in a, it was one of the most meticulous rookie classes in Dom Day history, myself and Terry Sanko. <laughs> so yeah, and, and, and you were a shoe in for rookie of the year, right? Uh, that was, it was actually tied. I think uh, Donnie split the vote. Well, Justin, it was like, I knew as soon as I met Terry that I had a pretty good shot at winning. Um, they took us over to the St. Benedict school to try us out and Terry to me, he's still one of my life. I love him as a, he's another one. Some people don't enjoy it. His dog, I, I love everything about him. He was my roommate with Chevy and at the who concert in Placid. And he had this <laughs> laugh where he'd laugh and it just stopped. And it would, it, like, <laughs> and it just would keep going. And he would laugh, but it was like, 
I swear to God, it was like, I think I find all of us now. I know you guys go over your nicknames and stuff and we all have nicknames. And I'm like, you talked about Mike Minow and Sal Baitash. I've got fooled by the, I've got fooled by the, the nickname of Slade Digby. And when do I get to meet these guys? But Sank was like, he was just like a, a character. Everybody's almost like, I find that Donde, it's almost like a bunch of guys that have regular lives and then they come and they're like, they're cartoon characters. And they each have, they bring such different personalities and characters and, and then you name the cartoon character and they just take it to another level. But I found Terry to be exceptionally fun to play with. It was killing him. Like he was so pissed off that he didn't win the rookie of the year. <laughs> and I'm like, Sank, it's, it's going to be okay. I didn't think, <laughs> judging by the way, the jocularity you have with the guys, I didn't think he had much of a shot, but it's okay. But it was fun. Great, 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 great opener. Once you get into it, you never want to leave it. Yeah. So speaking of other awards, guys, and I don't know if you guys remember this, so I'm going to go through a couple other awards. Uh, obviously, Mike, you won uh, Rookie of the Year. Uh, Jonesy wins the Mop Cup that year. Tex Patterson wins uh, Worst Worst Athlete. Um, had a but bad an interest- that year. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and the 30 years afterwards, I think, as well. But Rick Woods wins the Silver Brick and the Worst Coach Award, uh, which is the only time in Dom Day history that I believe that has happened. Uh, must have been a bad Woodsy. Good, good on him. Excellent. Yeah, must have must have been a bad tournament for Woodsy. Anybody have any recollection? I guess that I guess the the Rebels were ousted in that year. Woodsy nope. is rather really good or really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, at, least, at least he can be really. I know good the younger Woodsies are always just really good, but Rick was always really good or really bad. I yeah, do have a, I do I do have a real fond memory because the party. This is my first Dom Day party, and it's at Bob Brandt's. And you guys, here I am. I know I, I was at least university age because you guys pulled me in the back, and your father Justin pulls out a um, funnel, and they tell me that he's the record holder for the funnel. So we're gonna go. The young guy is gonna go head to head with Roscoe Size, and I literally. I remember being on the top of a hill in Bob Brandt's backyard and getting to, and of course I can tell from the university days that when I go up for mine, people are throwing stuff in and I'm not getting just straight beers, but I'm bound to determine that I'm going to go toe to toe. I literally <laughs> look like Gene Simmons projectile vomiting. <laughs> I think it was my 18th shot. I think I might, you, you're talking about hitting Mrs. Wilson. I think it went from the top of the hill <laughs> after like my 18th one. And then I just simultaneously rolled down the hill into the gutter <laughs> where I lay for about the next half hour. And I know, I remember waking up the next morning in Bob Brandt's bedroom, <laughs> lying on the floor. I wasn't in a bed. <laughs> oh, thank God. It was a tough loss. It was a tough loss, but I do remember because it was your dad I was going toe-to-toe with. And I get, he told me that he was drinking toe-to-toe, but I, I, I know for a fact, you know when you tell you know, somebody's slipping in a little, some extra octane in your beer? <laughs> But and he was water. doing water. He was doing he was, water. Yeah. Yeah. He was chugging and water. And they told me after like eight, he was doing water. And I know <laughs> I wasn't doing water. But oh, anyways, awesome. live and learn. Rookie mistake. That was that same embankment that Sleepy Copeland fell down in his candy striped yeah. pants that night. Yeah. He slipped. He slipped down. He slipped. Yeah. I shoved that little bastard. <laughs> Fantastic, guys. So um, any other memories uh, from, from Dom, Day, Dom Day 12, your first year? Uh, just just realizing at that time that you, once you get in and you actually see it firsthand, first of all, you lose your competitive thing is you want to win it. Right. And you almost like anything, if you win in your first year, that gets your name off that. Cause I saw the program with all the different zeros, get that one off the bank. And then just how much fun it was. 
just how much fun these guys were having. And I can't, I don't know whether, I don't know whether it was my rookie year that they had the infamous when they did the skills drills and the, like when your dad does the infamous base running thing, but some of the stuff they were coming up with, it was just like, this never ends. And then you just see, it's literally like when you sit down, they hand out this document and it's like people are handing out the, the, you know, the, the, the book that this thing's been pumped out. The value of that first program coming out is like, and then you just see people sitting on the sides, just laughing hysterically at a complete fictional tear up of everybody that's ever going to play in the tournament. And it's, but it's, it's just amazing. Just amazing. That's fantastic guys. So let's pivot from, from Dom day 12 and jump forward a couple of years. Uh, we hinted on it uh, a few times throughout the show, but um, let's stay on the Dom Day track for now. I know we got to we want to talk about some other other sporting wins that uh, you know two of our callers have had, but let's talk about the 1992 uh, Spartans Dom Day victory. Um, Futes, why don't you kind of tell us a bit about that? Well, I had never at the time. I was just thrilled. I think it was the first time I was ever going to play on a team with uh, Colin Patterson, uh, which was my initial thrill. Um, uh, and then, I mean, I look at the list of the guys. I actually thought Guy was on that team. He's not listed there, but was he babe? I thought Guy was on that team for the Spartan moment, but I don't think that was what, the one where they had him batting blindfolded hitting no. the other way or whatever, but I thought he was in, but it was just amazing when you look at a team like that. And I look at the names like Mark Turney, <laughs> you look at the team and you go there. I know you guys have all won. You must look at the end and go, how did we win? There's certain times you look and go, well, that was a real good team. Then there's other times you look and go, how the hell did we win? And then like Saul, Saul. Saul Baytash and Mark Turney. Uh, and there's well, another Robber one. was on that team. Robert, yeah, yeah. Robert and Lester Brunel. Lester, Lester Brunel. And I'm like, yeah. Holy smokes. And like, now we got, we had a trimmed down Chevy who everybody knows was awesome. You get Gordy who's competitive can play. Danny Philman was unbelievable that tournament. Sank could play and Westy was a great third baseman. So you, you see a lot of different things there and then Colin, <laughs> I, Colin and I could cover a lot of the outfield, but Holy smokes. There's a lot of wood there. <laughs> there's a lot of wood there. Thrift, when it can't be a driftwood. Trip. Yeah. And I mean, obviously Westy, this was prior to his, I, I dubbed him with the Ric Flair woos over his hair. So he was still talking to me at that time. And again, there's certain guys that, you know, when they're coaching you, there's a little bit more of a serious demeanor to them. Uh, Westy wasn't one of those guys. He kind of just one of those guys that kind of look over to babe. <laughs> there's one of those, look, babe, what do we do next kind of thing. And, uh, but he, he was so passionate about his team. And then I remember going uh, in that final game with uh, getting up to bat with, you know, and you guys, I know for a fact that this game was being broadcast live across the world because they had put scaffolding up and Donnie and uh, Bobby. Yeah. Donnie and Bobby were in, they had like Roger scaffolding over where behind the first, like towards Mrs. Wilson's fence. And they were calling the game. Like they were broadcasting the game. And it's not like in regular sports when you're like, I've been in a lot of broadcasted games where you don't feel like the broadcasters are in your ears. Like, like you've got ear earbuds with them telling you like, and, it, and if you like, that's the ultimate, cause you're at bat at Don Bay at, from every at bat, there's chirping going on. And that, that's the ultimate to be able to perform a sport while you're absolutely being ridiculed beyond and still stay focused. But obviously I'm up there with the game on the line and I'm not thinking anything like I've hit some home runs in my dot, but there's not an ounce of me thinking I got to put this one out. And uh, 
I just, I hit it and it kept carrying and carrying and it went out and I couldn't, and I, I still think for life, I don't know who the center fielder was, but if he probably was at the fence and just backed up enough, like this isn't something like I saw Mike Wolf do it last year. And I think it went off the school when he ended the tournament, but it ended the tournament. Right. And so I'm like, you talk about Bay cause you made, I mean, you've, you've won Stanley cups, but just like put anything, that feeling of victory, like in a moment like that, we were, we lost our mind. Like I was running around, like I didn't know. I, I ran it like, like a Donovan Bailey. I wasn't trotting. I got around second. And the first thing I saw was you guys up in the booth. And I was like, giving you the finger up in the booth. And you're like, he's giving it to us. I still remember the tape. He's giving it to us, Donnie. He's stuck it in our ass. And I'm like, I just laughing so hard. Well, we well. Running around, and then we come around, sir, and you want to make whatever. Somebody I always said, oh, I think you missed third. I don't think you step on third. And then I remember just everybody just mobbing, mobbing yeah. behind home plate. And it, it didn't end. And it was over. Like, it was this. It ended. And I was like, the shot that was heard around the world, he ended the game with a home run. And, and I, I remember Fuchs when you hit it. And we're all sitting, we're standing up, we're all on first baseline in that little area. And we're going, it's going out, it's going out. And our arms were just sort of going around. And then when it went out, we all started going out on the uh, out on third base. We ran over the third baseline. It was pandemonium. Well, it was, it was, like it was so guys. exciting. Now, when you see the guys when they have those even the major leagues when they have those walk offs that you see all that stupid stuff going on. At that, we were way ahead of it. Yeah. <laughs> we had guys attacking. There were beers going down third baseline, and the, that when we met at home for that time, it was it was unbelievable because it was it was over. So and, from uh, the from the television standpoint, like and. That tape has got to be somewhere. Somebody's got to have that thing. But we played it at a, uh, one of those parties at that the place off of. Uh, they had it and they played it. Yeah, Smithsonian. Smithsonian might have it. I I don't know, but I, I mean somebody's got some of the, some of these tapes. But this was a great one because the commentary. Bobby and I are up there, and the game's on the line, and we're and we're like, oh my god, look, it's the Wonder Boy, the the big talk of the tournament, the big you know the the high pick. The big guy, we're going back and forth, back and forth. And Bobby's like, he hasn't done shit all this tournament. You know, he's talk about overrated, this, that, whatever. <laughs> and we're still talking. Well, and it's it's kind of quiet at the field. So I'm sure because yeah, that's all I can hear is Bobby right. talking right. about how brutal I am. Right. And, I'm, and I'm trying to like, like again, Ross, and I know it's not. I mean, for 95% of us, our baseball training starts shortly after the the boy, when we get there after the men cup, <laughs> nobody plays ball all year, right? We just get there and you you try and rush in. God forbid you try and rush into the cage to get a couple swings while they're putting up their home run fence. You just get crucified because everybody wants a couple practice swings. But that was it. And for me, it was just like it was it was hilarious. And I mean, I'd be again. You talk about your emotions. I can. I, I certainly in Dom Day, we've had a lot of fun. But that for me was a, clearly the most energized pump in the party was just off the charts and i mean chevy was at his shuffling best at the party and and then it was it provided westy with as he called it the spartan moment and every tournament he comes up to me and i give him a woo and he gives me a spartan moment so sometimes when you have those things and you guys have talked about it, it just with every player and i remember you guys talking about uh, two guys that 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 won a tournament with a late rally on the other diamond and how for the rest of their lives they you know that really affected them. Like their kids, wow, you did that and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool stuff. 
But, uh, you know, I mean, it's funny how it affected, like, Westy. It affected Mike Robson, you know, Sanko, all the guys. Like, even myself, I still remember that vividly. Like, it was so exciting. And, you know, I I go, as you said, Futes, if you win, you win, and that's the exciting part, right? I mean, you can be gracious and lose and everything else, but when you win, you remember that, and it's more vivid than, you know, if you lose. And in those moments where you hit that big home run, I can remember everybody on that team, you know, we, it just grew and grew. And when we met you at third baseline and we followed you in, we, we brought you we ran, in. Everybody plate. ran in with it. And the funny thing about yeah. it too is, is as much as people are cutthroat at Dom Day and want to see failure, it was nice to see a tournament one where there wasn't like nine errors in a row and you see Dean Daggett dying in one of those rallies. Like, oh, they just knocked off 12 runs in the top of the ninth on eight errors. It was, it was kind of a baseball play to win it. So it was, it was a lot of fun, that's for sure. Who, was, who were we playing? Who'd we I beat? Was it Red Machine? Or, that was interesting. Yeah, I hope Could it was Bobby's team. It was probably Bobby's team. My, <laughs> mo- my mom hated him. She never agreed to like him. Never. Oh, actually, God. looking at it now, you guys beat the nine alarmers. She loved Buff. She loved Buff. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. So, would that have been your first Dom Day championship, or had you won before? Do you know offhand? Won one before that, I think. wasn't with wasn't with the Tarts, but I think won one before that. Awesome. I think I won one with, I I won one with the Rebels. I'm not. I, I'm not. One of my titles, I wasn't even in town. So that's what I will talk about that one. <laughs> I have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I orchestrated. That was my 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 flurry with management. But no, it was just. It was unbelievable. You don't even think about that in 91. So, wow, that's crazy. Well, folks, there you have it. The Spartan moment. We're going to leave it here for today, but good news. Futes has agreed to stick around for another hour. We have plenty more stories to get through with him. So be sure to tune in for episode 14 of Dom Day Tales to hear the rest. Until next week, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the Dom Day Tales podcast right here.